this tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 187. Today is Rob Buchler. He's the head boys basketball coach at Eastern High School in Ohio. He has been at Eastern High School for 41 years. He has coached 25 years of varsity boys basketball at Eastern High School. Prior to that, he had coached two years of junior high girls and then 14 years of freshman and junior varsity boys 222 and 108 and helped as the varsity assistant. He has accumulated an overall varsity record of 392 and 181 going into this year. He has been honored as five-time coach of the coach of the SHL, SHAC, and the two Southeast District Coach of the Year and have been Associated Press Ohio Coach of the Year Division Three in 2000. During his coaching tenure, he has won eight league championships, 12 sectional titles, four district titles, one regional title, and made a state Final Four appearance in 2002. He has coaches cross-country 17 years, track 19 years, with several state qualifiers and one state championship. He loves to have his kids play multiple sports. He has 22 years teaching junior high math and history and 10 years as junior high principal. They are in a Division Three out of four high school basketball divisions, Division Three being next to the smallest. Hometown and a great community and great tradition with great kids. Coaches, I think you're really going to be excited to uh, get this inside view of Coach Buchler's program at Eastern High School. I um, got to notice him from his 221 press. So we run a 221 press here at Lake Oconee Academy, and, and uh, he's got a great video out on his press, and I re- really highly recommend you getting it. Um, but he has such a great tradition and community there of basketball at Eastern, and it's really going to be a great insight into what he is doing to consistently build that program and what is he doing this year to kind of offset the uh, the pandemic and things like that and continue to build one of the best programs uh, in the country. So let's welcome Rob Buchler.
Hello. Hey, Rob. How are you, man? Hey, good, Kevin. Good, good. I appreciate you joining me. Um, I know you're relaxing right now uh, outside in your outdoor court or indoor court um, and uh, enjoying the day. So I appreciate you taking the time out to share with us. No time. I enjoy it. Talking basketball. Absolutely. Hey, I really enjoyed um, studying your program and kind of kind of get to know you. I, I really, first of all, I, I bought your 221 video and absolutely okay, loved well, it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know, I, I got to make sure you, you get the gym paid off. So I, I definitely want to continue to buy your videos. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem at all. But I, what I appreciate from you is you giving some great details on how to run the press. I'm a big believer in the 221. Um, I, I've been running the press forever, but I'm always willing to learn. And I love talking, I love talking to coaches who really believe in something. Well, you know, it's something that I've been to the same school since I got out of school. I didn't go away to college and play, and I kind of stayed at home. The, the new varsity coach came in and got me started with his daughter on junior high team. He said, would you want to coach junior high girls? Well, I coached them like I coach, was coached, and I proceeded to stay with him the next. I did two years of girls, and then I was with him, either as a freshman reserve together and then the varsity assistant because we just – I went to the freshman practice – then I went to varsity and reserve together, was his assistant coach for 16 years. And I think what you do is you learn from either people that you've worked with or been coached by or have um, shared ideas with throughout the years. And you always look at the best coaches, what they're doing. And he started this a long time ago. He brought it back in. And this was in the early 80s. He had gotten some stuff from Rick Patino, mm -hmm. And Rick had that. The two two one, he'd switch it to a one two one one. So right. I, we had already we had tried we had worked with it. So I got the varsity job when he left. He kept telling me, "Do not leave, do not leave." And I had an opportunity <laughs> to go coach Brian Grant, which was in a neighboring school about ten miles away from us. And man, that was a hard job turned down. But it was also going to be teaching a subject I didn't I wasn't in love with. I totally yeah history so I said you know there's more to j than just coaching you got to have that main job but we we've done the 221 for years and we've adapted we've changed it I've changed it in the last probably five to eight years even a little more and adapted it and called it out certain names that we would do certain things differently just to um, bother other teams because it seems like they get used to the 221. But then if you can do some other things out of it and maybe manipulate it a little bit differently, it does cause them some problems. Yeah, absolutely. And before we dig into the press, Coach, I, I want the uh, listeners, and you got a lot of coaches out there from around the country that listen to this podcast, and I always enjoy talking to coaches from Ohio. Uh, coach, I've talked to, I think, six or seven coaches on my podcast from Ohio. Okay. Talk about – Talk about, first of all, talk about how you grew up in the game and talk about how that influenced you. I'm sure you had coaches around you that how you said, hey, man, this is what I want to do uh, for my career. Well, uh, I grew up and I really didn't start playing the game until about fifth, fourth or fifth grade and I had a neighbor that got me interested. And I was lucky. I had good coaches that has given me or mentored me throughout my time. And that's, that created that interest. And, um, you know, we, I played baseball, not a lot. We lived on a farm. So the idea was you got to do certain things when you were younger and you also worked, we raised tobacco, we put in hay. I, one summer I put 20,000 bales of hay in for people. <laughs> so you had yeah. farm work and that gave you some grit. But then when you got to play and, and I talked to my old varsity coach the other day, we had a, um, thing for him he was there um he was there approximately seven eight years and then with my jv coach as i said those guys all gave me something and it seemed like i took something from each of them when i was um growing up and that's the one thing i've been blessed with i've not had a bad coach in my in my life now the one that pushed me the most that i didn't like the most i'd broken a leg 
as a freshman. He said, when you right. quit limping, I spent four months in a cast. It was a straight break and it didn't heal real quick. And I worked my butt off. And um, the next year, played JV, varsity the next two years. But the thing I learned from each of them, and I competed. And that that's one thing. They were all pretty intense. And I've had to change because somebody said, well, the old Rob Buechler. And we were very – I mean, my coaches were intense. They might yank their tie off. They'd holler at you. Um, <laughs> you, you have to change some with the game today because they're not going to – there's too many things out there for kids to do. Right. And I think I've done it for the better. We bring a culture where we love each other. We're family. Oh, they, they see me get upset. They know we're going we're gonna to tell you something. We're going to show you something. And then we're going to build on it and put you out there and let you feel it out in the floor. And that's one of the things that even Nate Sanderson, the guy that um, helped me do the video, I shared yeah. one night we went out to eat. Uh, one of the local patrons that was in the nice restaurant walked by, said hi. We chatted. And when I went to take care of the bill, he had taken care of it for all of us. And we sat there for three hours and talked basketball. And I picked up some grains of information that I liked what he said. He said, you do a lot of stuff. I says, well, we try to. He says, I don't do that much stuff. And he tries to keep it simple. Right. And we try, we do that too. We do a lot of multiple offenses, a lot of defenses. And then when we find out what really works for us, that's where we bear down and kind of stay with throughout the season and it depends on your personnel yeah and um i really want you kind of to kind of go into your offensive defensive system a little bit later uh, I, I really want you to talk about mentors because i have mentors in my life in, in the coaching profession that help me shape my philosophy i you have to figure out your own philosophy right coach but i've had some great people around me to help. Matter of fact, I just got off the phone with him that helped shape how I think the game should be taught, how the game should be played. Who have been your mentors? Ooh, my neighbor, Dale Bunn, he had passed away seven, eight years ago. Um, he was one of my teachers for four years. He, he kind of kept me grounded with it. He, I mean, you learned the game had to be fun. If it wasn't fun, and he looked, he showed you the fun parts of the game, even though he hated to lose. <laughs> then I went through junior high. He was my junior high coach. Um, then I went through high school. I had John Burroughs. I had um, uh, Lynn Gardner as a JV coach. And then, well, Jerry Lewis was one of the uh, – and then Bob Pitts was my varsity coach. Well, he left. Lynn took over from the JV to the varsity, spent a year with me. And then Jerry Lewis came in, which was a neighbor, and he spent 16 years. And I'll tell you, he was almost like a father or an older brother. And we went to things, I mean, and he, he said, you know, you're going to do it. We're going to do it the right way. We're not going to go down to lower standards just to get a victory. It isn't all about the wins and losses. It's about what you're going to do. And I've read enough stuff on all the different coaches, and John Wooden was one of my favorites. Um, but as I said, even I played one year at junior college, and I was also playing independent ball because the junior college only played – 14, 16, 18 games, but I was playing extra on the sides. And Bill Newland was a great uh, person to me for that one year. And he was a local guy, taught me a lot about shooting. Every coach that I've had has given me some insight to help me make me a better coach. But I think Jerry was the, probably the one that developed me more on, you know, what do you want to do with the, with the school team? How do you build it? You know, we tell our kids they're, they're students first. Um, they know they got to do it in the classroom, even though, and we don't tolerate it. Our school is pretty community based. It's very high academic for what we want out of our kids. And we're a conservative school and we don't have football. So basketball is kind of one of the okay. main gigs. And as I said, I, I've coached other sports, cross country and track and been pretty successful with it, but I had kids buy in. I've had great parents. Uh, some of my kids are coaching at Wichita State, one's at, um, in track, and then another one's in track at, at um, all Mount Union. He was national coach of the year okay. three times. I mean, I've been happy, and I got one coaching at a um, Christian school. It's like a prep school. And, I mean, he's going on, and that's one of the kids that we put a lot of time in in our program. But those kids also came out to our farm and worked. So they kind of got – 
we re- we have about 190 acres. We got cattle, tobacco, did have. So those kids were around me more than just uh, basketball or cross country or track. And that's one of the things I think we've shared with them. They kind of, they buy in and they, they continue to support us. Yeah. And I, and I absolutely love how I, I'm just kind of reading about your community and I, um, I've worked in some small communities and I know the effect. I don't think people realize that basketball in a small community, when you're the big show in town, how impactful that is. That's, that's hard to leave, isn't it? Well, you know, and that's something I, it, I've been blessed. The administration, administration has always supported us. You know, the teachers know the first thing I do is send out a roster and tell the teachers, these are our kids. I want to know when they're not doing it in class. They call me before they do the parents sometimes because they knew I got a bigger impact right at the beginning. But I said, you need to, you need to talk with both of us, parents and the, the coach. Cause I said, today it's a little harder than it used to be. Cause if I said something, parents says, do it boy. And that was the way it worked. So it's right. a little bit more difficult because kids have more outlets. They have more things they can do. Um, but as I said, our girls have been very successful over the years. Our boys have been pretty successful. Um, we can't, we can't argue with that. And I think it's the community has, has the impact causes that success. Yes. That family. I mean, it's just that family atmosphere. We all try to preach family, but do we actually implement the right way? We talk family, but are we actually, are we actually acting like a family? That's the question, Mark. Um, Talk about your culture. I mean, I'm assuming family is a big part of it, right? It is. I mean, and I'll, I'll be honest, that's the one thing that I probably brought in the other kids more. And my kids, I'll tell you, they played down Cincinnati for Mike Price and AAU. Uh, he's a great friend and mentor also. And he's had some tremendous players go through. And, you know, they, they've learned a lot through it. But when you bring in family, that's one of the areas. And that's where my wife keeps me grounded. Um, she'll tell me, said, hey, you're spending too much time there. And I'm, I'm a little OCD. Also a little ADHD <laughs> at 60 years old. She says, you need medicine. I mean, I get wound up and I'm talking and doing a lot of things. And, but, you know, she keeps me in that personality. And I think you got to have family and you got to have church uh, religion to a point that where you're happy with it. I've had my last year, I had my best player was a, a minister's son. And I'll tell you what, he was a great leader. He took those kids and we, you know, they went to church with him we did things together as a group outside of basketball. It's more on relationships now than it is just saying, Hey, you're winning this many basketball games. That's not, that's not going to be the thing. And I tell them in 20 years, I'll know if I've been successful with these kids. Have I taught them to work hard? I have taught them to be good people. Um, Have I helped them grow as an individual to be successful in life? And when I look back in 20 years and say, look, they've got a family, they got a good job. They're doing what's right. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You, you don't know, right, Coach? Um, you don't know. And I had a coach just recently I spoke to, and he calls it um, living trophies in the sense that That's when those kids, yeah, those kids come back and they they come back and say, thanks, Coach, I appreciate it. A lot of the kids don't have dads. Um, maybe they're divorced. They live in Florida. They're not getting up to the games. Um, and I remember that one student that I told you about that he had the – he had had to move out of his house, moved down to another area. Court said, yeah, okay, you're allowed to play. Dad and mom was divorced, and it was a financial thing. He came back. He was also one of the kids that we had a t- tough time with during a game, and I think you got to learn some things that when you're coaching, it's not always you they're mad at. It could be something that happened, and that's what kind of worked with him one night. We had a ball game. He was upset. And I didn't know why he just didn't want to act like he wanted to listen. Right. And so we had a little, he mumbled something. I pulled him over and put him on the bench and he kind of got upset. And we had a big powwow afterwards. Well, come to find out dad was supposed to have been at that game. Dad was out of town in Florida, had not made it up and he was looking all around for him. And that just took him out of control. So that was a lesson learned that they may not be mad at you they may be mad about something else prior to. And I think that's, it's kind of like teaching the same thing. 
you go into the classroom and I, we tell our kids basketball might be that gym might be the biggest classroom in the, in the uh, building. And I said, you're going to learn more about life here than you may in that, in that small 25 seater that you go to. So that's something I hope I've grown over the years and been able to understand that more. Cause I think it, we kind of lose sight when we're young, we're goal driven. And I think we got to look at the big picture more. I totally agree. And I think we get focused on the results, right? Coach, um, rather than the, rather than the process, I think we're all guilty of that. You know, we, Hey, we're, you know, Hey, we're playing for a state championship. Yeah. Well, a lot of times when you're playing for that state championship, I think you lose. I think it's, it's hard. I don't think the kids can relax. I think you need to play for, I think there's process oriented goals, right? Yes. Do you believe in that? Oh, totally. I tell the kids, I don't worry about winning. We were 22 and two last year, both games we got beat. We shot terrible. Um, the one was happened to be in the district. They were a physical team. We're not, we were young. Played uh, one senior, two sophomores, and two juniors, and had other kids playing. We play about nine to ten kids. I'm not a seven kid guy. I'm playing nine to ten. I keep men arrested. We play harder, um, and we do the process. I said, uh, you know, these are the things we didn't get done in the process. But I might have been torn up for a month early in my career over that loss. And I look back at the, at the games we won, um, how we had played. And it was easy to see, hey, we shot it terrible. Now, they caused a little bit of that. So one of our things I keep saying, I said, I got the team's name. That's motivating me this summer to get it in. We've been going, we go two days a week during the summer. They're expected to be there too. You can't make it mandatory. I got some, and I'm doing four days. Sometimes I did seven sessions just to get them there so that whenever they had baseball or they had vacation or whatever, with me having a gym, I say, hey, I'm going to do a session here for an hour and a half. If you want to come in, come in. And sometimes we'll get down to even 45, 50 minutes because I can work them out in about 40 minutes that they're tired and they're getting their game on. So they've been pretty good about buying in. And they and the ones that want to follow that process and that culture we talked about that want to be successful, they're going to show up. And we try to get them to lead each other. Now, I can't be the leader. They have to be the leader. The kids do. And – as I said, I've changed a lot. I used to demand they be here and, you know, or not demand, but say, hey, you need to get here if you're going to get better. And they would show up. But I think sometimes they showed up because they thought, I don't want to make him mad or disappoint him. And that's not what I wanted. I want them to want to be that good. And they are kind of working that way now. Yeah, I love that. And, hey, I really enjoy talking to you about um, – because uh, I like to get a vision of what – uh, what coaches are doing when I talk to them. And I, I love talk about the court that you all built um, at your, at your home site and talk about what you do with that. And um, you, I think you said you even do workouts at your home. Yes. Yes. Well, when the kids were playing my, I had three sons and they played, I got concrete by the time they were in the sixth grade, we had a 40 by 50 outdoor court. Um, both two of the oldest ones played college basketball so they were out there. We bought an old shoot away, one of the old regular, no motor. And uh, the net was all I got right. off a previous coach. They worked out there. So then they went on to college. I got the idea. I was going to try and build something. And I was going to build. Oh, I started out 48 by 48 and it got to be it's um, 68 by 80. We've made it a little bigger. Now I wish I'd have built it to be 68 by 100. But, uh, you know, my one son was a teacher. He quit. He does training. He does. He does a lot of insight that way. He's had some good kids come through. One of them's going to Miami, the Jackson Ames kid out of West Claremont. He's worked out in there. I've also had, um, as I said, I built. So I told somebody, I said, I'm going to retire. And I was doing the principal gig and also trying to uh, coach. I'd get to school maybe some days 435 and do all my paperwork before the <laughs> teachers got there. But most time it was six to 10. Right. So I was spending, I spent several hours in school and then come home. And um, when I said I retired, I had this gym built and I said, he uses it throughout the day. I came in this morning. We went from seven to eight 30 
and it was a makeup day if anybody wanted to come in and get an extra day in so i had four show up and we use it's not a wooden floor we almost put a wooden floor in and we put the um the plastic one stencil mm-hmm. or the uh they're a one by one block and we built that cord on there had it lined off we got three rims kids can i can get i can get 12 kids through there and do a good bit with them if they want to do it as i said i said it's not mandatory but the guys that are hungry are going to get they're going to get fed and uh, they go through that and they don't mind it. And a lot of our peewee teens will sometimes come out and use it if we can't get a gym in the school. So it just helps out a little bit. Yeah. I love that. I'm jealous coach. Cause I would like to have my home gym out here. Um, that'd be kind of cool. Hey, talk about your workouts. Cause we, we, I just finished a workout not too long ago and I love to see how coaches train players. And uh, let me explain what we did and then kind of tell me okay. what, Tell me what a Rob Buechler does in his workout. I love taking a skill. Let's say, for example, today we're working on dribble moves, and I do I do the old what they call the old chill drill, where we're getting all the dribble moves in. And then what I do is I then go to a one-on-one game because I like to drill and then test their skill yep. in a one-on-one or two-on-two game um, just to see if they actually uh, can apply it. Um, how do you train your players? Well, when we had the pandemic hit, you couldn't touch them. You couldn't talk to them. March right. and April and May. And I just told them, I, I gave them their sheet of paper. We were allowed to communicate um, socially with them that way. I gave and my kids had done that for years. We have started out a 5,000 shot club. A lot of the coaches, college coaches I talked to said, look, we don't get our kids much in the summer. And, they said we do this so we got to we do a 10,000 shot club okay and it had variations and i've modified my workouts like you said everybody knows price shooting is the hardest thing to teach i think everybody can play defense and we'll do a series we'll warm up stretch we'll do our ball handling we do something with passing uh now that we can practice i can almost implement i can get get 12 14 kids in there during this time but before we were allowed only 10 in the gym. So we had to do some different things. We do a lot of shooting things. Like you said, we'll work on a skill depending on what kids I've got. I work a lot on footwork. Um, and I, you see the kids that pick it up quickly and you see the kids that don't. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the kids we have. They like to play. I got four or five playing AAU. Um, those kids are, they put a lot of time in on their own they use their natural ability, but I told him, I said, to play against somebody better than you, you have to have a better skill level. It's more athletic maybe. And I tell him, I said, you know, here's what part of the game you're working on. And I see that you're good at, but here's something I think you got to improve on. If you want to go to the next level, if they want to play college basketball, and I've got two or three that say they want to. So we talk about that. Then we try to build that program for them. Now, we do what we call range finder or groove your shot. Mm-hmm. And I see so many kids that don't know how to follow through and lift and shoot. And as I said, two of my sons were pretty good shooters. Um, one of them, I mean, he's got a record in the state with threes and the other one's got a percentage in the state with threes. So they, they were decent shooters and we have good shooters in this area because those kids, like I said, got a little time, more time to work on it. Um, so we'll do that. Then we, uh, I picked up a drill. I liked this year. We called it, the exit drill and you start on one block and throw it out and go out and catch it and work on inside pivot. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of that. And if we get kids that are really good, then we'll do maybe working on flares with the hop flares with the pivot designating, but not all of them are going to be at that level. And we've got bigger kids coming that we've not had since probably in the 90 late nineties and early two thousands, we were clicking 80 to 85 percent of you know wins a lot of times we had uh, we were having runs that's when we got state we got the regional four or five times uh got beaten the district finals by a team that went to the state and we kind of went through some six eight six 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 five kids now we're coming back to where we're getting some six four six five kids back and we haven't had that we've been about six two or six three and below with a lot of them and so we did some post-up stuff today and I'm trying to get them. Like you said, we work on the move, what I want them to do. 
And then we try to put it live where they may play a post-up game or we, I call it Superman. They throw it off and the other player comes over and meets them. They got to try and make that read and develop that move. And right. I think kids got to play more. They don't play enough on their own. It's I agree. Organized. Uh, you said it. We did yesterday. We had an hour and about an hour and a half before. I, and we went one-on-one, two-on-two and three-on-three. And we even did shell game the other day where they couldn't dribble. All they could do is screen and move, screen and move, teaching them to move without the basketball. So I think that's the thing they don't get enough of. Yeah, I love what you said, Coach. Um, and uh, our best thing is three-on-three. Three. I love the three-on-three. Three. Matter of fact, I, I'm, I'm looking to start a three-on-three league and tournament out here uh, because, I, I mean, just working on three-on-three three in practice – you get to work on every phase of the game, plus the kids yes. get more touches. Yes. Well, and that's what we do. They didn't like it at the beginning. Um, we do a lot of three-on-three. Three. If I've got 12, 15 in the gym, we'll divide them up, put them on full courts, and have one team go down and shoot on one end while they're waiting their turn to play. And we play short games. Our games, and even an open gym, they wonder why we only play to seven points and we play threes and twos. And I right. asked them, I said, why do you think we uh, – are doing that rather than letting you play to 11 or 12 by ones or 17 by threes and twos. And they finally came to me and they said, well, we get, we have to play each, each possession is critical. I said, exactly. Right. Exactly. And we like the three on three a lot too, for that reason, you get more touches, you get more game. And most of the time they understand now that the most people involved in any play on the game, and that's something that Coach Lewis taught me, he said, is three. The other two are on the weak side. You're going to have the most is three, three at one time involved. And that makes sense for those kids to get better. They got it. And I think if they do a lot of that playing, and they're like, you know, I tell them, I said, we didn't have trainers when I grew up. You didn't have somebody spend an hour with you telling you what you had to do. You went out and played against somebody either older than you, younger than you, Anybody that you can find a game with, and that's how you kind of you and you watch the NBA guys on TV and you mimic some of their shots. And you, I think that's what kids lose a little bit of is that imagination. Some of them don't get that. And I told them, I said, it's like a video game. And we have a lot of conversations when we're at practice. And some of them like what we talk about, and some don't. But I tell them, I said, you know, they all. I do ask each of them. I asked them all the other day. I said, how many of you want me to fix when you're playing and tell you some things or get on you when you're not playing it to the level of, you know, we, we set down goals. I had parent meetings last year and the year before, and they developed our, our mission statement. They develop our, our five core values that we want every player to have. And I get their buy-in. And so comes when it comes time, Maybe that kid's not getting to play as much. They can look and see, okay, where where are they not getting it done at? Yeah, Coach. And, and do you mind telling me, like, what was your mission statement because um, and your core values? From now, does each year it changes? Yeah, it'll change when we go back through it. Uh, okay. You know what they were wanting was a person that was going to be able to grow into a responsible. Show, show responsibility, have good character, be a hardworking person. So we got our goals. And number one was be a great teammate. Not all okay. of them. Probably one of our best teammates last year was a kid that didn't get to play a lot in junior high, didn't get to play much in high school. 33 ACT. He was a kid that came to practice, learned everything. He's also in the band. And I've learned, I don't, if he had band practice to get ready for state band competition, we worked and he would come in and says, coach, can I leave now? Or I can't be there for another 10 minutes. It's not like he's blowing it off, but we do other things that they can do. Maybe he'll read a book. Tell me a little bit about what that book said, how it's going to help him as a person grow. So we asked him to be a great teammate. And he was probably the most supportive kid we had then have toughness. I mean, that's one of the things that I feel we don't have a lot of kids putting in hay, a lot of kids doing farm work, and you see a lot of the communities in Ohio where that's it's a tradition. That toughness, they have football, they have some farming areas. And we're in southern part of Ohio, so it's you get that toughness from working if you're going to be there. 
And if mm-hmm. they don't, we're hoping we can get it through us. Um, be a person of good character. They wrote five things, and that was the one. They said, we really want our kids to be honest, do what they're supposed to do. And then we talk about effort. And they came up with give consistent, excellent effort. They wanted to be consistent. We always talk about you can't be high and low all the time. you got to try and find that consistency. And that was one of the things John Wooden always said. He said, I'd rather see you go level than be here one minute and down at the bottom at the next. Sure. And the other thing was humble and confident. And I think that's where I've learned. We use toughness to build that confidence. And I think now I tell them, I said, you know, just do well. Appreciate what you do. You don't have to be cocky about it because I said it'll come back and get you. But I said, believe in yourself. And that's, I didn't get, like I said, we got beat. I talked to the kids at that last game. I was a little disappointed because we got down the first quarter, played, had a tough time. And you know what? We played with them the rest of the game and even got it back to a point where we had a shot to maybe turn it. Then we do something, something fall apart. We turned it over, got a foul. So instead of being able to close that gap, but that one game wasn't going to determine what we had done that season. And in the years previous, say 15, 20 years ago, it was like that. And it, that's lessons you learn as a coach. Yeah, there's so many great things you can get out of a season. That's so true. And a lot of it, hey, I'm guilty as well, Coach. I was still remember our loss from last season, and we had the most wins, the best season of the history of the school, but I still remember that loss. That's on me. Yes. So I need to adjust – but, you know, we're all competitors, right? Oh, well, that's my hardest part. I mean, I don't care if we're playing putt-putt golf. My kids are that way, too. And I think that's that kind of is where we've been successful with that. We get kids that want to compete and win. But there's a point you got to grow from it, too. I think Kobe Bryant said the best. There is no failure. Kobe Bryant said, you learn from your mistakes, and that's not failure. So when he had problems, he said, it's just a growing phase for me. And my, my oldest son was big Michael Jordan fan in him. And I mean, that was a great article they had with Jordan for those um, TV on ESPN. You got to oh, see no a doubt. little bit of that with kids. And they, our kids didn't know how competitive he was today. They, they saw some films, but they just didn't know. And it kind of woke them up a little bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, he was, uh, well, he was winning at all costs. Yes. I mean, and he, he did whatever it took. Um, coach, talk about, before you go into your press and your defense, your offense, talk about your coaching staff. And I have their names here. Uh, you have four coaches. I have one. I'm jealous. You got Ron Lynch, Tim Boone, John Boone, uh, Mickey Hunley. Um, man, talk about how you're building a coaching staff because – to me, that's very underrated in a really good program. You better have some good assistance. Well, another one is Scott Huntley. Um, one is a dad and a son. And the other one, and his his younger brother's playing for me now. He'll be a junior, 6'4 kid. He's got a lot of potential. But we have one varsity assistant. I have a JV coach. He's also my freshman coach, as I was. Um that's Tim Boone. Ron Lynch is my varsity assistant. He's going to coach junior high. He's got a son coming up in it. He did the peewee. We try to build a process with our coaches. We want They don't have to do everything the same as us, but if we're running a certain offense, we'd like to have them have that basic, and then we're going to add the other quick hitters in with it. So, And I know peewee basketball or intramural from K to 6 is a little bit more difficult to get control of and I don't pressure them, but I expect them to do some of our stuff. And when you live in a small community, you happen to have dads that played for you. I've been there all right now. John Boone, Scott Huntley, both played for me in the 80s. And um, now their sons are playing for me. So they – and, hey, I don't have to say much. I just tell them, I said, your son's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. You need to say something. And all they, they get into them. And Tim, right. he'd come from another school local that played against me through high school. We were buddies when we were not on the court all the time because we just kind of 
play a lot of three on three and five on five together when we went to different towns and he'd be over there at his town at Georgetown. So yeah, I think you're lucky. And I found out used to be, and our girls coach, I'll tell you, I didn't mention it, but he was my, my JV coach for 20 years. And then he just took the varsity girls job and he got the state. He had a bunch coming through. He took them as after their, well, their freshman year, he got them. And the coach had stayed one year prior to that, and that was Kevin Pickrell. So we don't have a lot of turnover. And I think that's a big plus for schools. Um, these guys buy yeah. into our system and they're loyal. I think loyalty is a factor because they're not all going to agree with you. And I told him, I said, I understand. You may see something different than what I see, and I want to know that, but we're not going outside and getting after each other. I said, that doesn't work that way. I said, we're in this together. And they do a pretty good job with that. Yeah, that loyalty part is key. And also, I love what you said because I, I'm in agreement. I allow my middle school uh, school coach to get have some freedom because I want her to feel like it's her program. But I'm very stern on, hey, this is the language of our program. These are the yeah. skills. So when they get to me – I want those skills developed, not mastered, but developed. Uh, I think that's important. It is. Uh, we talk about the language, and I said, you can add other plays. But I said, I want you to understand, like we run, oh, my, offensively, we run a lot of flex. Everybody asked me about the flex. We Jerry Lewis started me with it. <laughs> and when we were coaching, we learned it. I took – Jerry Durger out of Cincinnati McNick was probably one of the winningest coaches down there. He ran the flex. I studied him when I got to seeing his teams compete against us. Um, then we went to a lot of what Gonzaga runs the last three or four years. Um, we've run a lot of three out, two in motion, like Bobby Knight used to run. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we run a lot of open posts. And if we have the kids, like I may have five guards going there sometime, and I probably run open posts two or three times out of those 25 games last year. But we run it because that – and the reason we do a lot, if we ever would quit doing it, then our kids would not have the understanding of it and they know how to defend it a little bit from doing it in practice. So when we see a team that runs a lot of five out, none in, or we've even worked a little bit on dribble drive for two years and I, I have trouble releasing it and just saying, okay, let's go through that all the time. <laughs> I like a little control when I want kids being able to control tempo because if you can play fast, play fast. That's our first goal. And then if we can't and we can't compete with them playing fast, then we're going to slow it down, run the control tempo that we want. And I think that's when you've got some pretty good players if they can make those changes. Yes. And do you believe, and I want you to, since you're talking about offense, coach, continue on with that. But I have a question for you. And what I find out, and I found out this myself, when you play in the state tournament and you get to the later rounds, it's not a it's not a full court game. It's a half court grind game. So you better be good on half court offense defense, right? So talk and about your half court offense. Our half court offense, like I said, we run a primary break, a secondary break, but it goes right into our um, offense. And I tell him, I said, I like the ball reverse three or four times. I said, if you want to get shoot it in the first two or three times that it's passed, you are buying into what they want. You better be pretty daggone good at shooting it. We had 18 threes one game last year. I think it was our first, second game of the season. We shot unbelievable. Well, they kind of got a little bit, I called froggy with that feeling. And we've got some shooters. We spend a lot of time with it. The kids they do a lot of that. We, we get in the weight room now, too, because since you don't have football, we lift a good bit. And uh, that's one advantage we have. But the half-court game, yeah, you got to be able to play a half-court game because then, as you said, you're not going to be able to press some of those teams at, the, at Columbus. In 2002, when we got there, we got back in the game with that. But we were down almost – 20 some come back and got it to I think eight and we ended up missing a shot we ended up getting beat 12 15 18 points but this team was pretty good they had they shot it really well that day but we came back and climbed into about eight after being down 20 some it just kind of warm out 
But if you've got that half court game and you can't play fast and you don't have the personnel to play fast, you can always still stay in the game. And that's one of the coaches up home that you said he really wasn't close with me other than just when we practiced against each other. Well, I didn't practice. We scrimmaged each other. And he put a whooping on me a couple times early, and I found out we had to run some different stuff because he <laughs> played a half-court game, open post. He might beat you 38 to 40. I mean, right. it was a slow, slowing game. He had uh, probably his best player was a, uh, Dante Jackson that played at Xavier, and he's now he's back at Xavier as a an assistant coach. And one of my sons played through that time too. So you share a lot. And he taught me a lot about that half-court game. You got to have one. If you don't, you're not going to be successful come tournament time. And you got to be able to sit down and play man-to-man. You can't rely on the 2-2-1 or some other magic defense. Um, you're going to have to be able to sit down and play man-to-man. You can play zone a lot if you want. You think it's going to get you there, but you better be able to guard some man-to-man. Either get yourself back in the game um, or keep them from you know exploiting yourself. Maybe they get hot shooting. If you can't play man-to-man, you're going to struggle guarding those kids that can shoot the basketball and move. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, kind of continuing on your offensive game a little bit, you said you're – it sounds like to me you're more of a, a flex continuity, which is – Coach, today the flex is being very rarely used. I actually started as a flex coach, and now I spread teams out, and we run a lot of – pick and roll, what we call the the bulldog, the Gonzaga pick and, we, pick and roll. Uh, well, we're doing more of it now than we've ever done it. The last okay. four years, Gonzaga, we've run a lot of it. And I I don't know. I look at it, and we do a lot of things out of the flex because I watched a team in 20, let's see, 206 out in the NAI National Tournament run their flex stuff. And they, they beat Taylor University. And Taylor University, I, like I said, and that's another mentor that I kind of went when my son played out there. I went to camp every summer and worked camps with him because he worked out the NAIA kids that were there at camp, which he had. He told me you got to be at camp to work. Then they'd have an hour of practice that night. So I picked his brain, watched things. We started doing more pack line defense. Well, offensively, he ran the triangle. And I tried that for one year, but I didn't. You need a point and a post and a pinch post. Right. And we had two out three, but if you don't have that third, so we kept going back to the flex. Mm-hmm. We can do a lot of pick and roll out of the flex. We can do, if you've got good shooters, um, but the flex, you got to read. And people start switching all the flex stuff. Well, they right. can't always switch that Gonzaga stuff. And like you said, it opens up the floor more. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you were going to ask me something about skill work, I thought, but it, you didn't come up with that part. I train every kid I got. I tell them, I said, I got a 6'5 sophomore, maybe 6'6, six, six, and he's only played a couple years, but he's athletic. And I told him, I said, you got to learn to play a guard, and you're going to learn to post up because my guards learn to post up also. And that's one of the things I like with the flex. I can isolate a guard. I like the same thing with uh, three out, two in motion. Um, even out of the open post, we want to be able to isolate that guard inside if he gets mismatched because some guards are better posting up than some of your big men are if they get the right people on them. But the flex we do, as I said, we do a lot of quick hitters. And Tom is, though, you, you, if, at Michigan State, you can pick a thousand things up watching his teams, and he does a ton of quick hitters. Right. So I just think you got to look at your personnel, see what you got. If they are good at running that offense and making reads, um, I think any offensive player, and that's what Coach Patterson out Taylor says, they can catch it, dribble it, pass it, and shoot it. They can play. That's what you got to be able to do. And he was big on fundamentals. I totally agree. I I think making part, that's what, you know, even today when we were doing our workout, Coach, um, you know, even in our two-on-two pick and roll, you know, we teach, you know, we teach how to really, we call it read. Yep. Um, and then we talk about separate. And then the last phase of it is attack, get to the rim, hit the post on the roll, whatever. So those are the three phases. I think you have, we have to do more of that when we're teaching the fundamental game. 
but the skills. I tell the kids they got to have a feel for the game. You teach the skills, but if they can't feel it and read it, and we talked about making that pass, a lot of times they could make that little shuffle pass in, or maybe they can create some space and get a get a switch. Or I told them, I said, it depends what teams do. If they're going to go over it, go under it, or if they're going to switch. We do a lot of switching. We switch because when you're six two, six three, or six foot, we kind of all stay the same. We try to get that way, and we play a lot of pack line, and we'll double, we'll fire the post if we get a good player uh, that's going to kick our butts in there, and that's where we got more successful. And like I said, that's stuff that I'd been coaching for twenty years that I started going to some of these others. At Taylor University, where my one son played, he was being recruited by Chris Holtman, which is at Ohio State right now. Chris was the main assistant. He came out home, and my son had some small D1s, D2s. He chose Taylor because he that Silent Night thing flashed him around. If you've ever seen Silent Night up at Taylor University, look it up. I mean, it's rocking that place during that time. And he thought he went up there, and he enjoyed it. And Holtman – you know, I picked his brain a lot and I picked up coach Patterson's and I enjoy talking to you. I'm picking up things right now. So <laughs> I think it's just coaches get a chance to share that. And a lot of people don't understand how OCD we are and how much we enjoy talking about the game and analyzing it and making something easier for us rather than because maybe your approach of what you're saying is working a little bit better than mine. So I'll try anything. Absolutely. And I, but of course, the, the, the key thing is, you know, your kids better than I do. So obviously you kind of know, but you can tweak. I think a good, a good word is tweak. So you can tweak things or teach it, maybe give like a I always like this year, I've changed my language a little bit to kind of help the kids understand something better. So we can always pick up new ideas. Oh, yeah. I mean, well. I've watched, you know, you watch where kids play the best at. So if they're only on that right block and they're pretty good at it, that's where you're going to put them. And you watch their tendencies. And I tell the kids we're creatures of habit. All of us are. And I said, I can go watch a kid. And I told one of them the other day, I said, he shot, I don't know, 39 or 40% from the three. And I told him, I said, you would not get a shot against me. I said, when I coach you or going against you, I said, we're going to play you hot. We're going to make you shoot off the dribble. And I said, and that's what they did to him in a tournament. They bumped him around so much last year. And he was a sophomore. Wait a, he's probably grown two inches this year. And he was very small. You've heard it, right? And he looked at me and said, yeah, and I'm working. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You pick up little details about – and you use one word. Um, we say pad. P-A-D. Pay attention to detail. Okay. That's one of the things I said. Right. You guys aren't padding this. I said, you got to do this. And we'll use acronyms. So they kind of get the idea of, okay, when I say, okay, um, KYP, know your personnel. Don't throw this kid a pass that he can't catch on the run. Uh, he's going to be a two-hand, two-hand catcher. He's going to have to be set. He can be moving, but he's got to be moving at an angle. He can't be running straight line. Because I told one the other day, I said, Chris Burrows, or not Chris Burrows, Joe Burrows, it's going down to the Bengals. I said, you couldn't be his receiver. He missed three or four in open gym. I said, you got to catch those. But he laughed, and he knew what he had to work on. Yeah, Coach, uh, I love that. I just stole two from you. Uh, give me another acronym that you guys use in your program. Mon. I love both of those. Give me another one. I'm y'all trying use. to think of something. Those are the big ones. Uh, <laughs> All right. Oh, my. We use – even our out-of-bounds, we use letters and different things. And uh, Right. Trying to think of something else that we do. Can't offhand right now. Sorry. That's, that's not a problem. Hey, it'll come back to you. Coach, let's go right into your – I want you to uh, talk about your defense and really talk about your press because um, I really love what, how you're teaching the press. and. I, I do. You call it the 75 press yeah. um, and talk about I just love, uh, first of all, how you teach it. I picked up a couple of drills from you, but talk about the impact of your press. Well, 
we've done all kinds of presses. We've done man-to-man. We've done man-to-man run and jump. And in 2002, 75 was good to us. But we weren't as big. We had to have something that we could back up and extend us out too far. And so we went to a lot of half-court run and jump. And it took us till January to get that down. But the 75 press has been one of the most consistent for us because it gives us a lot of things. We call 75 because it's three-quarter court. Now, we go to OU one summer, and we're playing, and we're 6'9", 6'6", 6'3", two six-foot guards or 6'1". And old Larry Hunter that went down to Western Carolina after he left OU he told me, he said, Coach, we're sitting there. He has ice cream parties after camp nights. Some camps are not <laughs> quite like that, but his is he has an ice cream party. You go to the cafeteria and you have ice cream, shoot the stuff with each other. He said, Here's something you might try. You got some quick guards and you got big kids back here. Why don't you try putting two of them in front and call it Rover? And I'd call it Rover because we used to do that man to man. But he said, Let those two just scramble all they want. That'll make those two guys in the back on defense can play that rover spot like in football and try to get those long interceptions. And um, we put that in and we try to force the ball up the sideline because the, as I said, coach Patino is one guy, coach Lewis really paid a lot of attention to it. Going to clinics here. I am 19 years old. I didn't go to the clinics with him the first year or two with the girls. I did when I started helping with the boys and I don't think I've missed any years of the state clinic and I've gone to several others, a lot of Nike clinics just to pick up a nugget, but the two, two, one, you can cut that court in half. You'll hear Bob Huggins talk about when he plays man to man, he likes to put him in the box. Right. Sure. And we kind of use that similar thing, but we try to push the ball up the sideline with pressure on the ball. But our rules are around us and over us, but never through us. So the middle's got to be taken away because it gives them both sides of the court then. So we're, what we'd like to do is push it up the right side. If they reverse it, that's fine. We can adjust. They still got that 10-second count to worry about. Um, and I'll tell you, when you extend it three-quarter court, you tend to give up a little more um, that corner three because they don't get to cover that ground as much if they get up the sideline. And if you've got a great shooter, because that's what teams used to do to us, so we ended up putting a shooter in the corner, and I had a little mm-hmm. pressure and hit 10 threes one game because our point guard found a way to get it to him, give it to him when he wanted it. Their defense, we got the ball in the middle. And that's kind of what, um, what we try to prevent. So we definitely – Say we have our front line or our two guards. You can use forwards if, you, if you've got kids you want to put up there are very good at um, deflecting passes, hard to throw over. We put our middle man, and we call that second line or midline, and they've got to cover in that passing lane. That guy that's on the, on the ball side has to get the passing lane. And Jim Calhoun, he won a lot. Coaches, thank you for listening to part one of the podcast with uh, Coach Rob Buechler. Uh, I will have part two out in uh, one or two days. And I hopefully enjoyed all the key points that he mentioned about his program. He is very transparent and clear and concise on what he is doing in his program. Uh, Part two, again, will come out very soon. Um, Also, take a look at my website, championshipvision.org. You, there's a lot of great coaching resources for you to grow and become a better coach. So I'm looking forward to the next part, next session, part two with Coach Rob Buechler of Eastern High School. Take care. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado.
Hey coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. If you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.